from the makers of the original airplane, not the Red Brothers. We are the Spy-Fi Guys, and this is Top Secret. Welcome to the Spy-Fi Guys, where we cover spy facts, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Christian. And I'm Zach. And today, we are covering Top Secret. Yes, I was very excited to do this movie. Have you because... have you seen this before? No, I had not Neither seen it before. All right, all right, okay. But I had seen a YouTube review of it a few months ago. Okay. Where they told me some behind-the-scenes info, and the guys who did it really liked it. Okay, all right, all right. So as the tagline mentioned, this was created by Jim Abraham and... The Zuckers. Right, who have done Airplane, but they have also done The Naked Gun. Those are in Hot Shots, I believe. Ah, yes, and probably Hot Shots Part Two. Presumably, yes. And yes. I love all of those movies. Mm-hmm. So I was expectations for this one were high. <laughs> well, small disclaimer: I've actually I've seen both Hot Shots and Hot Shots Part Two, but I don't think I've actually seen any of the Airplane movies, and I've only seen Naked Gun Thirty Three and a Third. Well, most people would say that the original Airplane is a must-watch. Mm-hmm. I know it's on my list. And the Naked Gun is very good, I think. (laughs) So I was expecting a lot from this movie, as I said, but sort of like other directors is they have to ramp up. So because this is the first movie that they made together, I was sort of expecting that it was going to be a little rougher around the edges. Mm -hmm. Some of friends and I have been doing Wes Anderson movies where we watch all the Wes Anderson movies in order. And... Uh Wes Anderson was not birthed Wes Anderson. (laughs) And you can see hints in his early movies of what would become his style in later movies. Okay. And in this case, that was absolutely true. (laughs) All right. So shall we start with the IMDb uh, movie synopsis? Sure. All right. So we've got parody of World War II spy movies in which an American rock and roll singer becomes involved in a resistance plot to rescue a scientist imprisoned in East Germany. So So right off the bat... Right. What time period is this set in? (laughs) Well, they reference the Jimmy Carter administration. Yeah, but I mean, okay... And there's it's it's clearly post-World War II, because it's East Germany, have East Germany and West Germany. But the East German uniforms are straight-up Nazi uniforms. Right. I, I I think that this movie is supposed to be set in 1984, which is when the movie came out. All right. And they just dress like Nazis because it's a parody of World War II movies. All right, all right, all right. For the first, like, 20 minutes, I'm like, wait, what time? Where? I'm, I'm like, I'm trying not to just, because you know, it's a comedy, so I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, put it too much on. And it's clearly a parody, so I'm not trying to put it through much to the logic filter, but... Just in general, it's like, wait, I, I'm, I just, I just need to get a frame of reference for where we are. Well, the very, the very first opening scene is the title credit says East Germany, mm-hmm. and then we have a spy on a train fighting a Nazi soldier. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was like, wait, do they maybe mean the east part of Germany? That's what when I was Germany thinking. Was but still no, Germany? It's, it's literally East Germany because you see later a map. Right. Yeah. So there's two men fighting on top of the train. One of them, yeah, is a. A British spy, and the other is, we'll just say a German, because I mean, yes, they're dressed in Nazi uniforms, but it's an East German soldier. So suffice to say that East German soldiers then did not dress like the Nazis? No, no, yes. (laughs) All right, I didn't feel like the need to look it up. Oh, and uh, another thing I want to talk about straight off is that there are so many sight gags in this movie Mm -hmm. that we're not going to be able to cover all of them. Which, of course, is classic Zuckers and Abraham. Mm-hmm. And in fact, this movie had less than Airplane does. Mm-hmm. But, you're, but, but you're right that we yeah. would be here all day so, if we tried to talk about them all. So we might not mention your favorite sight gag. Or we may have even missed it when we watch it because we need to watch. I definitely want, need to watch it again just to try to catch every single sight gag. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so just a general disclaimer for that. So the British spy in the trench coat is played by Omar Sharif, who was the lead in Dr. Zivago. Ah. And he was apparently some major character in Lawrence of Arabia. Mm-hmm. So he's a legit actor. <laughs> in, in a sort of almost a glorified cameo, you might much, say, in this much. movie. So, so he's fighting. He's fighting German soldiers. 
and there's one big tough German soldier who stands up mm -hmm. and then Omar sees a bridge coming and we expect it to be <laughs> the Indiana Jones thing where he ducks down and then the bridge kills. I think they also do it in speed where, where the oh, upcoming yeah, bridge how, kills the bad yeah. guy. Spoilers for speed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, but no, instead the German soldier plow, like the bridge breaks on the mm -hmm. German soldier. And so the German soldiers is still there. So of course this is, the foundation of comedy is expectation versus reality. Mm -hmm. But Omar then just jumps off the train and gets away. Yep. Very, very easily. And next we go to East German High Command, which I like. I think it was either on their stationery or on the door in front. It says, better government through intimidation. Yeah, oppression is hilarious <laughs> when you're not the one living under it. Mm -hmm. So there's a note, there's a memo or some sort of kind of message that says that the British secret agent escaped. There's a nice big stamp that says, find him and kill him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so the East Germans are going to use a, are having this big cultural festival to disguise what their true plans are. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things they're going to do is they're going to invite a bunch of people. And so they're going to invite, I don't remember who, who the, oh, uh, Lick Lick Rivers. No, well, but they were trying to invite Leonard Bernstein. Oh, yes, yes, they who were. Who was the when writer was available. of, yes. Writer of West Side Story. Oh, is that why they wanted them? Uh, no, but I'm just in, in terms of a reference for who uh, Leonard Bernstein is. Okay. I thought you were going to say, um, in It's the End of the World as We Know It, they go, Leonard Bernstein. No? Yeah, let's see. No. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's oh, yeah. a composer, right? So he's, he's West Side Story, Peter Pan, Candide. Wonderful town, on the town, on the waterfront. Great composer. Right, so instead they get Nick Rivers, Rivers who's a teen the... idol. <laughs> and that leads us into our opening credits. Yeah, so they put on a record of one of Nick Rivers' songs, and it's basically just a full-on parody of Surfing USA, but with, with guns. That's right. Well, <laughs> it, it's specifically called Skeet USA, or Skeeting, Skeeting USA. It's about skeet shooting. Yeah, and so we have a bunch of people on surfboards with shotguns, and they're doing skeet shooting. <laughs> yes. And IMDb mentions this. Okay. The YouTube review I got as well is that not only is this movie a parody of World War II spy movies, but it's also a parody of Elvis movies. Yes. Yeah. So back in the day, there were all these, you know, movies about Elvis going off and doing, so, like getting caught up in some sort of scheme. Right. Yeah. The most famous, I think, is G.I. Blues. They didn't have to record the same. Have you seen any Elvis movies? No. Hmm. No, I don't think I have, actually. That, They've been pretty much forgotten, I feel. It's a shame. Well, uh, I haven't seen any Elvis movies, but I have seen Beatles movies, and those are great. Uh, I've seen one of them, but I can't remember which one it was, whether it was Hard Day's Night or the other one. Help? Anyways, yeah, or Help. Yeah, I, I don't remember which one it was. It's been a long time since I've seen it. But so, moving on. The opening credits goes over this whole Skeet in the USA thing. There's a joke where... A surfer on a surfboard will fall off and their gun will fire. And something will fall out of the air. Yes, which is, you know, misfires and gun safety is hilarious. Uh, but my, my thing about the scene, though, is that the joke goes on too long. And it <laughs> well, wasn't it really that funny the to begin entire with. credit scene. Right. And there's also some, like, uh, in, in cut in between. There's, you know, movie posters or, or uh, billboard signs with Nick Rivers, including one I liked is... Nick Rivers and Linda Ronstadt and, time permitting, Frank Sinatra. Yes. And then we also see how he's at the top of the charts with other songs like Skeet City. Other songs by the Beach Boys like Skeet City, yes. Yeah, but after the end of the credits scene, we get Nick Rivers on a train. Uh, he's learning, learning German from a tape. And I like this gag where he's, you know, he's also painting what he sees outside his window, but and it's all just a blur because he's going so fast. Yes, that was funny. I like that. And meanwhile, his buddy Martin is reading a newspaper called The Daily Oppressor. <laughs> Not just his buddy, but his agent or yes. his manager. Yeah. Yes. So they uh, explain that they're going, coming to East Germany. And Nick says, I've been learning German. Like what? And he says in German, is your daughter 18? <laughs> I think that joke uh, may have gone over better in 1984 than it does in 2020 or mm -hmm. 2021. Yeah. And so they arrive at the at the East German checkpoint station, 
and some German soldiers come on board. I like this bit with outs- outside in the station, there's all these dogs threatening someone, all these angry looking big dogs. German, shepherd, German shepherds, yeah. German shepherd dogs. And there's this one cute little pup who's also barking with them too. Well, and then it turns out the guy they're harassing gets taken off and shot, but they only were coming after him because he was carrying a bunch of dog biscuits. <laughs> So like that almost feels like a more like a political satire than a parody. I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of political jokes in here. Yeah, but this one's like a level above the usual oppression is better or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that. Yeah. Let him go with a warning saying, you know, be careful where you go, basically. Mm-hmm. And be careful what you do, because you're on our territory our turf now. And then you see what looks like the train is pulling out of the station, but in reality it's the the station, which is on wheels, is moving away. Yes, this is ridiculous. <laughs> this is what we came for this movie for. Mm-hmm. The next, we get a very Indiana Jones-looking uh, map with you know the line going across, going you know showing where the train's going, mm-hmm. and then you have dots representing where Nick's going. He's crossing some streets, and it turns into Pac-Man. <laughs> yep, you like that joke? I did. It worked for you. I'm, I'm glad. Uh... So we have so, the opening ceremony of the cultural festival. Yeah, the uh, East German ambassador, I guess. Is he the ambassador? The president makes a speech in German. And I knew there there's going to be German language jokes. So I'm not going to be able to pick up on all of them. But I knew that he said schnitzel like a lot, like every <laughs> sentence. Yeah. And then while this court festival is going on, we have the British agent who's on top of the train is meeting with this blind guy who's selling party tricks. And I like, I don't remember what this code phrase was, but all the code phrases they use are ridiculous. Oh, I remember. I have it written down. It was like, who do you think is the best white basketball player? To which the guy says, there are no good white basketball players, which I'm pretty sure Larry Bird was pretty good, but I don't know much about basketball. (laughs) So this scene is, he's trying to get information out of him, but every time he does, the blind peddler gives him a prank. He, it's not just that he's trying to, every time he's getting information, he's doing the prank. It's that someone comes by them. And okay. so to make them not, not look suspicious and make it look like he's trying to sell him stuff, he does one of his pr- pranks, like, you know, the squirting flower or the exploding cigar or mm-hmm. uh, what was the exploding sh- shaving cream. Yes, there are three. Humor comes in threes or so mm-hmm. I've been told. It's, a, it's the uh, comedic rule of three. Although this one actually goes for a fourth at the end. Yes. So it so. subverts the rule of three. I thought this scene was a little bit funny. Oh, I like I liked it. And so apparently, but while this, the information that we get out of the scene is that the Germans are planning something, and that uh, the a- British agent needs to look for Doctor Flamand because he's building a new weapon, and he also needs to find the head of the resistance, who's known as the Torch. Yes, yes. And then we go back to our opening ceremonies, uh, and there's <laughs> the East German anthem, which is all about oppression. Yeah, they're like, "Don't try to escape." over the wall or you'll be killed. Which reminded me of the Kazakhstan national anthem in Borat. Borat uh, yes. Yeah, I and feel like a get, lot of things have stolen jokes from this. Maybe, you know, build on what came before. Stolen or lovingly re- homaged. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So then we get this really brief scene. It barely even qualifies as a scene where we see Omar Sharif again and he yeah. gets killed Revealed later, he isn't killed in a car crusher. So but, this reminded me of two things. Okay. First, uh, my wife, who's watching this with me, said it gave her traumatic rem- memories of the Brave Little Toaster. Oh yeah, I blocked most of that movie out. <laughs> Is there a part and of the car crusher in it? That's like the big traumatic thing where they're all singing this song about how they're junk, and like as it happens, that each car is getting picked up and put into the car crusher and then made into a tiny cube. I don't think I made it that far. <laughs> but it reminded me of Goldfinger. Right. I figured there had to have been a James Bond movie where someone gets killed at a car yeah, crusher. Yeah, they do. That's, uh, in Goldfinger, one of, you know, there's a big meeting of all the hoodlums over in, in the U.S. And one of them says he wants out. And so he leaves and go, odd job takes him to a car crusher and he gets crushed. Yeah. Yep. I'm sure there are other non-James Bond movies where it happens too. I feel like but it's But given common. that this is a spy movie and it's post-Goldfinger, so... I kind of assume it's a reference. Okay. But th- that whole scene is edited strangely. It like comes in too fast and ends too fast. That's true. Yeah. Like it took me a second to realize, oh, wait, that's the guy. What? Oh, what? <laughs> it's only it's over. I, I feel like mm-hmm. wonder they maybe forgot to put it in and put it in the last minute. 
So anyway. So we next cut to a fancy ball. It's a reception for the cultural festival. And actually, I think one thing we didn't talk about is that this is Val Kilmer's first like credited film role. Yes, that's correct. And so like I was watching, I was like, wow, he's so young here. Mm-hmm. And then as I was watching the uh, I was watching the scene, I was like, wow, it's, it's so white. And my wife thought I was talking about Val Kilmer. Said, no, no, no. The decor is white. Yes. And the clientele. But it is Germany. How much, yeah. When did um, Top Gun come out? It, so this is only two years earlier than that. Yep. So there you go. So when we first see Nick Rivers here, he has gone and he like sticks it onto somebody's plate or onto like a waiter's like serving tray. Mm-hmm. As like, is the idea that he's like a jerk or he's like immature? I don't no, really know where they're going with that. He's a stereotypical American. Okay, so the place is really fancy, and he needs to get a jacket and tie in order to stay there. But then Wally's being tailored, and apparently they tailor him a they whole tailor tuxedo. Him a whole tuxedo. <laughs> I thought, it, again, you're right, the humor is subverting expectations. Usually when it's one of these things, mm-hmm. then they end up where, like, they end up giving you this ridiculously oversized jacket. Oh, really? Is that yeah. true in, like, other movies when mm-hmm. you need a jacket? Okay. Yeah. Or it's something that looks ridiculous, usually. All right. Usually so, the loner jacket is oversized mm-hmm. or looks terrible or something, yeah. So Nick getting tailored is, like, a background joke, while meanwhile some important dignitaries show up at the restaurant, mm-hmm. too. But yeah, so he gets his tuxedo, sits down at the table, and then we cut to outside of the hotel. There's a woman in a black cloak who's ends up meeting with the blind agent, and she gives you know gives her some information. And as they're like says you know wait in your hotel room, you're gonna find the you need to find the torch. But as that's happening, he sh- the blind agent is shot, and she runs into the hotel. Yes, and as the blind agent dies, he burns a publisher's clearinghouse slip. And I don't think this is the first time that Publisher's Clearinghouse has come up on this podcast. Uh, no, we talked about it uh, in... Uh, I don't remember the episode. Night and Day. Night and Day. Because okay. Tom Cruise's parents people. won twi- like five times or something like that. So I don't understand why he's burning it. I don't really want to spend any more brain power to figure it out. But yeah, so and back at the table, Nick has a note from his agent saying that... Oh, I don't have to remember the he's joke. Like, he's like, I have a sore throat or something. Yeah. But it turns but, out he's not reading it. That you guys actually sing it to him on a loudspeaker. <laughs> saying, this doesn't make me feel bad at all. And he ordered him the Ripple Blanc, which... Turns out to be acidic. Yep. And burn, burns through his cup. And then the, he saves the woman who turns out to be named Hillary. Yep. From being kicked out and probably being arrested by the police. Yep. So they're dancing. And there's a... There are so many just like one-off gags here. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, the dancing said, is really silly. Yeah. Like, my wife was like, wait, how does he know this dance? Like, I don't know. Well, I mean, that's just true of movies. Not even parody movies. People just come into dances and yeah. can do it. Um, yeah, so... And then she, she, you know, she realizes he's an American. She says, oh, my uncle's American. He escaped in a hot air balloon in the Jimmy Carter presidency. It's like, what? And then she also says something I thought was very interesting, which says, young people take their freedom for granted in the United States, which I absolutely agree with, but not just young people. I think people in general too. Hmm. Having been recently to Germany and went to the Stasi prison and the museum mm-hmm. of communism there, it really puts things into perspective, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to uh, laugh. Yes. So, so <laughs> one so of my ahead. favorite gags here when the, like, it's one of my two favorite gags I knew were coming, but I'm like, but it still made me mm-hmm. laugh where the waiter is talking to them in the back of the table, the waiter's talking to them in German and like, and Nick, apparently none of the things got through to him up from his thing on tape. Just mm-hmm. I'm smart. I don't speak any German. And then Hillary's like, Oh, I did. I happen to know a little German. He's sitting over there. And there's yeah. a short German guy in like Lederhosen. That was really good. <laughs> yeah. I think that was probably in the trailers. So she introduces herself as Hillary. And then the sort of, Mater D, I guess, at the restaurant says, we are very lucky to have a singer here. He's well, going to come up and mid, perform. It's, it's, the, uh, it's the conductor. Oh, of the, uh, of the, of the, like the mini orchestra they have there? Yeah. Yes. So he says, we have a singer here who's going to come up and perform. And he's like, and is like, and, you know, it's a personal favorite of whichever, you know, higher ranking German official who was there before. It's real. It's not Nick. It's the guy who's sitting next to, who's like some sort of probably more of a classical singer uh, who's sitting next to the right. German. Official, East German official. How about mm-hmm. him, Nick? 
it's him. And as the guys, the other singers about to go up, Nick like sneaks on the stage and goes in and starts singing Tutti Frutti. Yes. And I gotta say kudos to uh, Val Kilmer because he can dance. And he like, can sing. Was, he, he did all of was his that own actually songs. Okay, wow, I'm impressed then. I wasn't sure if that was actually his singing. Yes, it was. And they released all the music as like its own record. Was it credited to Val Kilmer or to Nick? What was his last name? Nick Rivers. I think Nick it was Rivers. under the label of Nick Rivers, yes. Nice, nice. I like when they do that. So this is the first and, in my opinion, probably the best musical number in the movie. Okay. I, I thought it was really good and it really worked for me. And it reminded me of Back to the Future. Yes, because it wasn't... Wait, what year did Back to the Future come out? This was before Back to the Future. Yes, by one year, 1985. Yeah, because yeah, Back the, to the Future was in, is in development. Yeah, no, it's not like Back to the Future stole this. Not, that's not what we're saying, but it's very similar because there's even... Well, I mean, the line is from Back to the Future is like, you know, watch me for the key, key changes or something like that. And there's something similar that uh, Nick says. But I don't yeah, what that's was, wild. Yeah. I wonder if they added it kind of at the last minute as an homage to it. Uh, I don't think so, but yeah. Okay, so he's performing. Everyone loves it except for the old dignitary stuff shirts. <laughs> yeah, so they leave. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then when he's done with his performance, Nick goes back to the table and Hillary's gone. Yep. And Hillary's up in her hotel room and she gets surprised by the British agent who's there, who's like been smashed. The cube, the car is smashed into a cube around him. Just absurd. But that's <laughs> what we came in for. Yeah. And so, you know, she finds out that they're trying to rescue her father and she needs to go to the ballet to find the torch. Yes. So this seems to be a thing in spy movies where they go to the opera or the mm-hmm. theater or mm-hmm. and then something happens. Yeah. I can't think of any examples right now. Well, I mean, actually, nothing happens in The uh, Living Daylights, but they do go to the opera. Um, what Quantum about Solace. Skyfall? No, that's not in, it's Quantum Solace where... The, okay. the meaning of the opera, uh, mm. Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, again, the opera. Yep. Um, but I'm sure there's earlier ones. Like, these are just ones that I can think of off the top of my head right now, but I'm sure there's earlier ones where it's like that sort of thing. Yeah, there are probably tons. So, yeah. Nick so is going there. To watch the Nutcracker. Right. Yeah. Nick is in uh, a, a box in the theater, and he sees Hillary across the way. She's meeting with a man, and she gets a gun pointed at her. Mm-hmm. So, Nick sees this going on. And that you know, goes to rescue her. And while this is all going on, there's this ridiculous rendition of the night Nutcracker with the male dancers with giant oversized cod pieces. Yeah, I think that's like a river dance like joke. Mm-hmm. Of just those background jokes is like the part where one of the ballerinas is jumping between the men between the cod pieces. <laughs> yeah, like stepping on the cod pieces as she jumps. Yeah. So, so I think this guy who's menacing Hillary is the same guy from before. The one who uh, breaks the bridge on his back. Ah, okay, I didn't catch that. All right. But yeah, mm-hmm. so Nick goes into the, their box, rescues her, and the man falls over the balcony and is doesn't die, but is in you know critical condition. Yes. So and they so run they away. Hide. Yeah, they go run away. They hide in the prop room, which is not filled with props from the theater, but propellers. <laughs> yes. I like that gag. Mm-hmm. It's very them. It's very Zuckers. Hillary, so Hillary escapes. Yep, she goes right. out the window, mm-hmm. and the guards come in and arrest Nick. And we mm-hmm. get—I'm going to keep saying I like this gag because I like most of the gags in this movie. <laughs> or, okay. But this one, he—he's uh, you know—he's got the classic, you know, making chalk marks with the uh, set, counting how long he's been there. He's got twenty of them, mm-hmm. and his agent comes in. And he's like, oh "My God, I've been waiting for twenty whole minutes." Yeah. I think this that was really good. I like that. And I think also it's a reference to some other Elvis movie where he's in prison. Jailhouse Blues? Probably, yes. I would have thought Jailhouse Rock. but oh, maybe. Jailhouse Rock, rather. One of the, I mean, one I don't, know, I didn't look, I didn't look it up. I didn't look it up. I just presume that's a name because that's an Elvis song. You're probably right. I yeah, Random gag. Do you want to talk about this? Well, we, we've <laughs> talked about adult subjects on this on this podcast before. Yeah. So it, it's under IMDb. It, this is the top quote really in imdb okay. which, which is from martin he comes and he says nick i've tried everything the embassy the german government the consulate i even talked to the u.n ambassador it's no use i just can't bring my wife to orgasm and so nick pulls this box with the what was it the, <laughs> the i have it written down too it's like the anal something I don't, I, I, 
exciter something at ex I the evil intruder. The evil intruder. Thank, you, thank you. All right, and it's this looks like a jackhammer with a rubber fist on it. See, I like the quote from Martin, but then I think they should have just moved on. Yeah. I didn't yeah. like the anal intruder. I thought the joke went on too long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You got to let it go. Martin leaves, says, you know, says he'll do whatever he can to get him out of there. There's nothing and, to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> and next we go to this priest re reading Latin or speaking Latin as he's bringing Nick out of the prison cell. And I like that. I think they use this joke in like a scary movie later on, except with mm -hmm. Japanese. Where they just say all any sort of Latin phrase, you go through, you know, Veni, Vini, Vici, e Pluribus Unum, Previous <laughs> Corpus, and then it switches to Pig Latin, which I liked. I think it's been done in Monty Python. Mm, that's, that's what sort of jumps to mind. So you're expecting Nick to be electrocuted, but then the priest is and the, for no the apparent priest, reason. Well, to show them they mean business. Okay. But I'm also and, sort of like, well, it's a communist country, so priests wouldn't be too welcome there. It's true. They say that Sergeant Kruger, who's the man who had been threatening Hillary, the sentence for murder is death by firing squad. So better hope that his, you know, he's not dead. And so you get a phone call, and you don't you only hear one side of it. And it's like, uh huh, okay, okay. Let me know if his condition changes. He's dead. <laughs> yep, this is great. I found it strange that you think they would kind of spaced out a little bit. <laughs> but but whatever. So, so this, yes. so you know what this reminded me of was the spy who came in from the cold. Mm. Do you remember yeah. the part in the book where they send some thugs in to like rough him up, and he kills one, and they're like, "Well, you got to go to prison for murder now," <laughs> and it's like total BS. Yeah. Also, we find out that his manager. Well, he so Nick's going to be tortured, and his manager. I, so I didn't catch whether he was dead or just in intensive care. I think he's dead. Impaled on. I think he was electrocuted by the anal intruder. Right, because they use a different uh, voltage. Yep, it makes total sense, I guess. Yeah, like some so other things. They bring in these two guys to torture him, and as he's being tortured, he has a dream about missing his exams in high school, which reminded me of Risky Business, which I saw recently. Okay, yeah, you and your Tom Cruise movies. But it just reminded me of like an anxiety dream. Yeah, well, yeah. But I just thought it was funny because I think what Risky Business was, I think, 83, not too long, you know, before this. And then, of course, those two end up working together in Top Gun. So that connection just made me, made it more, you know, relevant oh, in my yeah. mind. It's like him as the Tom Cruise role. I see yeah. what you're getting at. Uh, but yeah, so and then so he wakes up. He says, oh, thank God I, I'm here as he's being tortured and not, you know, missing his high school exams. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's great. And there's a meeting between two of the German, like the warden and the interrogator, and he mm. says, "He won't crack." Should we use the Leroy Neiman paintings? <laughs> Did you the look these up? Says, the warden says, "Like, no, that we have to respect the Geneva Conventions." Yes. So I looked up Leroy Neiman. Uh -huh. He was active from. Did you just look up, look just look up his paintings? I did. They look fine. They're they terrible. Look... No, they're not terrible. Yes, they are. Oh, don't be a hater. They look okay to me, but that joke people are not going to understand. <laughs> uh, no, they these. <laughs> you really don't like them? They're like splotchy paint. Yeah, I don't know. They're, they're, I don't. I, I think that. I, I guess I saw one with like Sylvester Stallone, and I was like, that looks ridiculous. Do you know who Leroy Newman was when they no. uh, said it? Okay, you had to look it up too. I had to look it up, yeah. Anyways, so as this is all going on, Nick's trying to escape and uh, through one of the one of these vents, he goes through a top one, he ends up out the bottom one. It's a Scooby Doo style sequence where it's like, you yeah. know, running between different doors <laughs> on the toilet. Mm -hmm. Right. But then he ends up in a basement laboratory where that Dr. Flamand is. Did you recognize Dr. Flamand? No, but I looked him up on IMDb. Michael and found Goh. Out who he was. He's yes. Alfred in the Tim Burton and Joel Schumacher Batman films, which means he played Alfred for Val Kilmer in Batman yes. Forever. Mm -hmm. So just seeing those, it's like, hey, it's Batman and Alfred. And then once once you recognize him, it's hard to not see him as Alfred. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, so, so the Doctor Flamont gives him a huge exposition dump. Yeah, so he was. This one, this is not really relevant, but apparently he was working on a process to remove salt from seawater. Well, that's a joke where he's like, that, guilt, that will mean everyone has enough salt for their loss <laughs> in the rest of their lives. 
but now the Eastrim has captured him, so he has to work on a weapon, the Polaris Mine. Yeah. And it's a magnetic mine that's super strong. You know, it'll be attracted to whatever the nearest submarine is. Well, actually, it's the reverse. Submarines are attracted to the mine, as demonstrated. <laughs> that's right. Ten seconds later, when Nick accidentally activates it and a sub bursts through the wall, <laughs> dripping water as if it's been in water. <laughs> which I and, thought was pretty amazing. Yeah, and that causes a commotion. And guards enter, and I liked how they put their hand. You know, uh, Doctor Flamon and Nick put their hands up, and then the sub commander pops out of the sub and puts his hands up as well. Yep, that was great. So then, the other thing we get in this scene, I wanted to mention briefly, is we get a, what they call in screen rating a time lock. Mm. Oh, where yes, they say this has to be done by Sunday. Yeah, yes, that's right. And then the Sunday is on a calendar with a topless woman on it, just to show how unprofessional Doctor Flamange is. Uh... Yes, and we also so and the plan is that they're going to put the Polaris mines in the Strait of Gibraltar. Yes, where all all every, every single NATO submarine is going to be coming through that <laughs> because that makes sense. Yeah, but so we cut back to the German East German officials who are who say, oh, "I just heard from High Command Nick has to perform at the concert," and it's like, "But he's a, being executed right now." So they call a phone, and he's in front of a firing squad. And there's a phone ringing just on a pillar by itself. As, yep. <laughs> and no one seems to be getting it until, except for this old woman on a walker who's slowly moving <laughs> towards it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I like it's a, of course, this is a reference to movies, ticking clock, ten, the tension. At the last so second, on. yeah. And then also behind her, the guards are like flipping their guns around. Like they're clearly <laughs> not about to shoot him. And so next we go to Nick performing at his concert. Uh, with all these crazed female fans, I, like what it brought to mind for me was Beatles Mania. Yeah, of course, Beatles Mania, yeah. but a, a little bit of Elvis Mania too. Oh yeah, yeah, I guess so. They're holding up signs that say "We love you, Neek," spelled N-E-E-K. <laughs> uh, and there's this one whole sequence where it's like one of the songs he's singing is how you know he can't live without whoever you know the song is about. And it goes through him with various methods of suicide, from a yep. noose to an open oven to railroad tracks. I thought that part was great. That was really funny. <laughs> also, there's a thing with the flying guitar. Like, the, he throws up his guitar, and it just disappears. Mm-hmm. And then later, the guitar comes back down on wires, and you see Hillary is up in, this, you know, in the rigging, which I thought this was an open-air concert, so where's the rigging? <laughs> What? I don't. Th- I didn't get the impression it was an open-air concert. Okay, for me, that's what it looked like, but okay, maybe it was just me so he leaves via flying guitar so there's one last thing i wanted to mention in the concert i know it goes on for a long time there's a lot of visual jokes we'll skip over but i want to talk about the part where he pulls the audience member up on stage oh yes and she looks like she's like 12 yeah it's it's hard to tell the older we get but she definitely didn't look 18 now i understand that this is something that performers do especially like teen performers Mm -hmm. But it was A, uncomfortable, and B, yeah. went on for, like, a really long time. Yeah, and then one part, she just faints, and then Nick doesn't even try to, like, help her up. She just, he just keeps, goes on with right. his performance. Yeah. Okay, so, yes, he does a really good escape with the flying guitar. I like and that. They leave out a, you know, side door, and I like keep saying this, but I like this gag where there's all mm-hmm. these bikes there, and he, like, gets them going like horses to go in a different direction. And they even made, like, the horses sound. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they all just go. I, th- I thought it was great. That was like a joke like, in YouTube I loved review. It. Yeah, no, <laughs> uh, like every joke I'm going to bring up, I have to keep have to stop saying I like this joke because it's just going to get repetitive. But right. and so they ride off in a different direction, and mm. then we go we go back to the German officials who I've re- <laughs> they have a messenger pigeon who has this tiny little aviator cap and goggles on, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And as a so much so that I forgot what the actual message was. Oh, I yeah, I don't remember what the message is either. Anything with plot, it's like who cares? Because the plot will just it will just go as it does. So then they cut to Pigeon Park, where there's a giant statue of a pigeon. So I guess whoever made this movie also made Spies in Disguise because they think anything involving pigeons is hilarious. Well, okay, so the joke with the pigeon, did you did you get it? Yeah, but we're we're getting to that. Okay. We're getting to it. All right, all right, all right. I can, it took me a second to figure it out. Like, what's going on here? Yeah, but it was just weird that they have a pigeon, a carrier pigeon, right next to this big statue of a pigeon. All right, all right, yeah. <laughs> uh, or or the, the makers of Spies in Disguise were inspired by that scene. Could be. 
So our uh, Hillary and Nick are walking around the park and talking about the plot. Yeah. So apparently her father is Dr. Flamand and Nick reveals that, you know, he saw him in the prison. And so, you know, they need to take what Nick knows to the resistance. These German soldiers come by. And so Nick and Hillary kiss to fit in with all the other couples who apparently this is like a makeout spot. Right. And as this is happening, people come like flying men fly down onto the p- statue of the pigeon and pee or poop on it. Right, get it? Because pigeons pee and poop on us? Ha 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 ha. Uh, well, and on giant statues of men. Oh, yes, that's also true. Yeah, that, that's, that's probably more what they were going for, actually. Yes. Yeah, that's that's why I asked. But then the, the pigeon statue also is like a big yeah. poo. <laughs> I was like, you pushed it too far. You, you should have stopped with the people peeing on it. I, I would have gotten it. <laughs> so they go to a Swedish bookstore, which is the fr- a front for the resistance. Mm-hmm. And it took me a second to realize, oh, wait, they're speaking backwards. Oh, wait, this entire sequence is filmed backwards. Yeah, it, it's sort of hard to tell until the books kind of go flying out from Nick's mm-hmm. hand into the... It's like it has that weird jerky... Yeah, and animation. then, you know, he bl- the dust gets blown back from a uh, a book. Also, the bookseller, did you recognize him? Yeah, it's Peter Cushing. Yes, Grand Moff Tarkin himself. Why do they have to mess up his face for that one not especially yeah, funny magnifying I like that gag. Well, I saw it coming, but I liked the gag. Yeah, but then you have to d- deal with his like messed up eye for the rest <laughs> of the scene. Yeah, so they're told they need to go to a, uh, a potato farm. Yes. They go up a uh, fireman pole up yes, to a place to hide. We get so, the flashback sequence. Hillary's telling you know Nick about her childhood. There's a flashback sequence to her being marooned on an island with a boy. Apparently, this is a whole plot reference to Blue Lagoon, mm-hmm. which had Except I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure in that movie, they're siblings. They're not strangers. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. that's why it's, like, very unsettling. Oh. I, I thought have, it was unsettling. I haven't, actually, I haven't actually seen it. I have so not. I uh, my wife has. And I thought it was supposed to be unsettling because Brooke Shields is, like, 15 when the movie's made, and she's very sexualized. But that probably doesn't help. Yeah. All right. So, even more unsettling. Okay. Also, oh, there's, like, a whole thing, like, the, there's, it's, definitely an homage to you know from here to eternity with them rolling around on the beach kissing and apparently nigel who's the boy disappeared one day while he was out fishing and then we get a little bit of nick's backstory yes thankfully not in like a you know flashback but apparently one day while he was with his mother he got lost in the department store as a child and never saw his mother again the cosmetics department took him in and he wrote a jingle for the department store and that's how he got famous yes so I would say that him being lost in department store is like totally ridiculous, but it's the plot of another movie that I'm forgetting what it is now. Okay. This is really embarrassing. Where the mom takes her kid to like a like a like a park or like a festival and then leaves with Shazam. That's oh, yeah. it. Shazam. <laughs> Where the mom like yeah. abandons the kid. So I was like, well, maybe it is a little bit believable. It was gonna make like it was trying to make a Home Alone reference, and I was trying to wait. No, Home Alone came after this. So I don't really understand this whole thing. It's like why is it in the movie? It's a random gag, is what it is. Okay. So I think it's supposed to be like well, because she's. I think it's the main reason is there is because you know she said I don't suppose you can understand anything like that, and it's like no, and he tells a equally ridiculous story. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. And then he seduces her with a song that turns out to be a Macy's jingle. <laughs> uh, they have a gag where they start kissing and the camera pans away to a fireplace. But then they roll back into frame. And so they pan away to a different fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they like those fireplaces in this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I just like that as a gag just because it's like back in the day with film centers, you couldn't show sex or even explicit say that so they had to do it all implicitly yep yeah and it makes her an easy target for lampooning Mm. and then so we have you know there's this horse pulling a carriage and Mm -hmm. you know we think that the the guy who's on the cart is the one singing but it's the horse singing which i like and i thought i thought it was just a like a i think what they call non-dialectic sound where it's just a soundtrack. There's a need to be a singer. Well, but then they, they zoom in on the horse. And yeah, but then moving. it turns out to be a horse. Right. Right. Yeah. And so Nick and Hillary are hiding in the hay. They get out. The horse seems a little sick. He's coughing. Oh, no. He's just a little horse. <laughs> so bad. 
<laughs> you might have to edit out all my laughing because it's going to be like 50% me just laughing at the jokes. That's all right. I'm glad they worked for you. So they go into the potato farm. Owned by Albert Potato. Yes. And they meet the resistance. It's a bunch of tough, really tough looking guys. Who are French for some reason. No, not for some reason, because they're the resistance. The resistance is always the French French. resistance in East Germany. Right. <laughs> do, you, All right. do you imagine if in Star Wars, the resistance, everybody was French? That, that would be great. great. <laughs> yeah, it would be hilarious. Um, yeah, but so, and they, they go to see, the, they want to meet the torch, and it turns out the torch is the guy from the beach, Nigel. And he's even Still dressed shirtless. the same. Yeah. yeah, he's dressed the same, and he has, like, oil on him. It's great. <laughs> And, you know, Nigel thinks there's a mole in the resistance. Also, mm. all the French resistance has, you know, have French words for names. I wish that IMDb had all the names. Uh, I, they didn't went too fast to write them down, but they, they were see. like... I liked Deja Vu. Yeah, Deja uh, Vu is a really good one. Chocolate mousse. <laughs> croissant. Yeah. They just but, they yeah. just come so fast and furious, and everyone was funnier. So for some reason, jokes about Germans don't really hit for me as much as jokes about the French. Let's see. Also, <laughs> Chocolate Moose was in Raiders of the Lost Ark. He's not the main pirate, but he's mm-hmm. one of the other ones. He looks pretty much the same. I think he even has like two bandoliers crossed on his chest, and he has yeah. the same laugh. So once I heard that, I was like, that guy, that or to quote a different Harrison Ford movie, I know that laugh. I like the part where he eats his cigar. <laughs> it reminds me of Sergeant Abrams in Aliens, how he looks like he's always about to eat his cigar. <laughs> also, so we have, you know, Hillary and Nick are trying to talk and Hillary's like, you know, I'm sorry, this all, you know, this all, wish I could explain. Like, And Nick goes this on basically the entire plot. Uh, you know, I'm not the first guy who had this, 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 this happen to him. So IMDb has it if you want oh, me you, to read the whole thing. Yeah, go for it. Listen to me, Hillary. I'm not the first guy who fell in love with a woman that he met at a restaurant who turned out to be the daughter of a kidnapped scientist, only to lose her to her childhood lover who she last saw on a desert island, who then turned out 15 years later to be the leader of the French underground. If you haven't been paying attention, is actually a good recap for everyone. <laughs> yeah, for those of you who came in halfway through the movie. but and So that was funny, but then they ruin it. No. I, I, like I didn't like it. I like this game. I didn't like it. So what happens is Hillary's like, I know it's some bad movie, and then they both turn and look no, at the camera. It, wing, the wing. line is, it all sounds like it's out of some bad movie. And they they very slowly turn to look at the camera. <laughs> Which Kevin Smith stole for Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. So I'm glad that you liked it. But we get it. Okay, we get that he's talking about the movie. You don't need to keep keep it going. I would have preferred it if it just ended after his thing and she just moved on like nothing. I, mean, I like that. I think I, I like that gag because I, I saw it first in Jan Salabob Strike Back, where it's a running gag, and I I think I even use it as there was like a student fi- like a film I made for as like part of uh, what was it? I think it was a part of a get like for uh, this uh, thing I did in for the Filipino student co- organization in, in college, mm-hmm. and uh, and I used that same gag. <laughs> So it has a soft spot because I was okay. like, because it was a, it was a ridiculous concept. I said, "Wow, this all sounds like a, out of a terrible movie." Look at the camera. All right. Well, I'm I'm happy that it worked for you. Back to the movie. Um, Nick is going to be escorted back to town to get away mm-hmm. while the French resistance does their thing. Um, they, there's a couple of visual gags like Chocolate Moose loading his Tommy gun like it's a musket from the Revolutionary <laughs> War. Mm-hmm. Nick and drinks gasoline, spits it out, and then Chocolate Moose drinks it happily and laughs because he's just such a tough guy mm-hmm. and but, apparently we find out that nigel had been with what you know back on the island was picked up by a passing freighter but you know and they try to make them go back for him but they wouldn't if we believe him and then latrine shows up and everyone goes latrine he's followed back to base by some troops there's a gunfight ensues a lot of visual gags here with you know breaking the windows to fire through the window I like yep. the tic-tac-toe one. Yeah, the tic-tac-toe is my favorite as well. But they eventually manage to fight off the attack and reconvene at Der Pizza House. Der Pizza House. Yep. They realize that Nick is the only one who knows the layout of the prison. They have to convince him to go, you know, to help guide them through. He doesn't want to. And then Latrine shows up again. Yes. Right. Well, it's, it's a running joke where he shows up yeah. and he's successfully more successively more beaten up than he was in yeah. the past. 
And so he has a messenger pigeon. Apparently the Germans know that they're going to break out Flamand. Mm-hmm. And so they realize, because they just talked about just this, just then, that, you know, Nigel um, says that the traitor has to be someone at this table. And Nigel suspects Nick. The Oh, yeah. And while this is going on, there's these two teenagers, teenage girls, who come up to Nick and say, aren't you Nick Rivers, the famous famous singer? He's like, no, no. You must have to me for someone else. I'm Mel Torme. Did you know who Mel Torme was? Is he a real person? I thought they just made it up. No, it's a real person. Okay, who is he then? He's a singer, but I'm trying to remember what he actually... Oh, he composed the uh, Christmas song, usually known as Chestnuts Roasting on Open Fire. He's a jazz singer. Okay. He blows off these two fans, which is like, it's affiliation go into the lore of like, you meet a, you harass a celebrity and then they blow you off, then you go on the internet and talk about how mean they are. Hmm. Anyway, so when Nick is suspecting, or Nigel is suspecting Nick, he says, how do we know he's not Mel Torme? And so they go into another musical number. Yes, which is like something out of Greece, because mm-hmm. it's like a 1950s diner kind of thing. Everyone's dressed like it's in the 1950s and, and so on. And then the end of the thing, Albert uh, Potato is like, this is not Mel Torme. <laughs> yep. So then the mission is on, I guess. They're not worried about who the traitor is. They're on a C-47 paratrooper plane that has U-Haul written on the side. <laughs> and they're all jumping out of the plane. Someone has a, uh, what's that thing? Duty-free bag. Thank you, thank you. The duty-free bag. Mm-hmm. And as they're jumping out, Hillary and Nick ha- are having a heart-to-heart conversation mid-air. Yep. Which struck me as very Casablanca-esque. Yeah, well, they. Lo- I know you haven't seen Airplane, but they love doing this in Airplane. Okay. Is the two romantic leads having this, like, very emotional conversation while in the background something funny is happening. And so, yeah, as they're going down, and then they kiss, and the camera pans away to a fireplace, which also has a parachute on it. Well, sure, why else would it be there? <laughs> uh, so, they land, they're outside the prison, and they see a bunch of cows. Apparently, these cows are the key to the plan. They're going right. to use the cows to infiltrate to get inside. And there's a good gag with, you know, he starts off just drawing on the ground with a stick. And then he, as it goes, there's a progressively more detailed model. Yes, which just trains. happens to be outside the infiltration site. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, capped off by the train, as you said. Yeah. So um, they have this really good cow costume. Like, really good. Because it's just a cow with boots on. <laughs> Yes. Well, the boots kind of kind of blow it, but yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I liked the cow, just the, with boots. It was just, because <laughs> it took me a second. I was like, is that just a real cow? And I was like, no, that's, no, nope. yeah, you're right. That's definitely just a real cow. <laughs> it gets with pretty hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Nigel and one of the others. Do you, I lost track of which member of the resistance this was. It's like do Freud or something like that. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was, I, I, I kept mixing that one and Deja Vu up. Yes, or it might, it might be one of them. Because they look exactly the same. Could be, could be. <laughs> uh, anyways, so those two are going in, they're in the cow costume, they're going to go disable the electric fence, everyone else is waiting outside, and we're going to, and so once the fence is disabled, the other people cut the fence and climb the wall. Yes. And they knock out a few guards. And mm-hmm. they take in, the, it's the classic, the Chewy scenario. They take the uniforms and uh, pretend they're escorting someone as a, as a prisoner. Yep, it's so old, and yet never seems to get old at the same time. Yeah, and there's there's a good goose-stepping gag, because they're, they're in Nazi uniforms, they're goose-stepping, and as they're goose-stepping, they're kicking over stuff, their boots are flying off. Yeah, they're, they're goose-stepping way higher than you're supposed to. <laughs> but then Nigel reveals himself to be the traitor. Yeah. And so he, they, you know, makes um, the cow go or the cow costume go back to the shed and to set off the alarm. And as he's doing so, he gets assaulted by a bull. So a couple of things we skipped this, oh, but okay. he said he wanted to be in the back, which oh, didn't yeah, make any right. sense because yeah. why would he want to be in the back? But now you know it's because he's going to pull the gun on the guy. That's harder to do when you're on the front. <laughs> and then earlier, a calf came up and oh, wanted to. Oh, I was going to uh, skip stop. over this. <laughs> Well, see, I thought the cow was going to try to try to do what the bull does later. Oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we don't need to talk about that anymore. Yeah. So yeah. They, they meet the doctor. There's a great joke where he's like, one more day, I would have finished my tunnel. It cuts to, is this the Lincoln Tunnel? I think there's a Lincoln Tunnel. I think so, yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> and outside, Nigel or not uh, Nigel, Hillary uh, mm-hmm. is she, she's she's cold, so she puts on the coat that Nigel had been wearing, and she gets a uh, you know she's about to sneeze, sneezes into a handkerchief she found in a pocket, and a pigeon flies out. This re- and, I thought it was like four pigeons. Oh no, the, the four pigeons are inside the coat. There's oh, only okay. one inside the handkerchief. Oh, and I, so I she see, realizes I see. there's all these pigeons here. He's the spy because he's been sending all the. But unfortunately, none of them had the cute aviator cap and goggles. I was disappointed. <laughs> well, I'm disappointed that you're disappointed. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so, so she's so like, "Oh my Nigel... God, Nigel's the traitor." She figures it out. Yeah, and Nigel comes out there, comes out to capture her. He's walking the... funny. Oh yeah. Reveals that the boat that had picked him up was Russian because he says comrade. Yep. As this is going on, the uh, the other team gotten outside, and we see Latrine show up again. Yeah, there's a couple good there's a couple good jokes where it shows the Germans moving their vehicles out, but they're just going in a circle. <laughs> uh, one of the trucks is going after them, but uh, Chocolate Moose shoots out the tires, and mm-hmm. it goes into a Pinto and just touches it and explodes. Because... Was that some kind of joke about how Pintos explode? Yeah, that that that's it basically. Okay. Did you like know that before you yeah, watched? I did. The movie? I did. That's but I'm you know a uh, fan of eighties. I believe that was an eighties, seventies and eighties reference about Pintos, and that yeah, they would just they're just terrible and would you know break down or explode. Well, not I don't think they literally exploded, but they usually broke down and they were just bad cars. Okay, so Nick steals a motorcycle and goes after. Yeah, Hillary. this is a a great escape. Uh, it also felt like Indiana Jones a little bit. It did, it did. But like the, him on the motorcycle in the leather jacket, that is a straight Steve McQueen Great Escape reference. Okay. And then like he does an Evil Knievel jump. I have not mm-hmm. seen it, actually. It's on my list. I have it. I just haven't got around to watching it. Do you think maybe. it would qualify as a spy movie? We could do it for the podcast? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll look up a little bit of the plot just to see if any of them are actually spies. Okay. Okay, so then he like, catches right. up with he the truck. Up. And this is where it gets into real Raiders of the uh, Lost Ark. But the thing is, this is what I was wondering. So first of all, I looked it up, and Raiders came out in 1981. So yeah. it almost certainly was the reference to it. Oh, yeah. Do you think that it's that the Raiders was a reference to World War II movies? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Not, not even World War II. It's a reference to Westerns. Okay. Where you would, instead of a truck, it would be they jump from the horse to the carriage okay. being drawn by horses. Yeah, but I thought a truck specifically would show up in a World War II movie. Yeah, yeah. But no, that, that's what the Raiders of the Lost Ark. And in fact, I believe it's one of the Zorro movies, like the like the 40s Zorro movies. There's a couple of Zorro serials where they do the ex- exact stunt where he goes underneath the carriage and comes back out. Nice. Yeah. So Anyways. they're fighting, they're fighting. I thought the fighting was really exciting here. <laughs> and then they start fighting over the radio. I like that gag. <laughs> But then they fall off a bridge into water. And they have an underwater fight. I was actually expecting it to, there to be like a Thunderball reference. Were you disappointed that there wasn't? No, but I was expecting But then I was pleasantly surprised at what it did turn out to be, which is an underwater bar fight. <laughs> underwater Western bar fight. Right, right. With like stools and a bunch of people playing poker and a, a full-on bar and... <laughs> So, th- so this joke did go on a long time, but it worked for me mostly yeah. because yeah. it was gradually ramping up. Yeah, yeah, and he committed to it. That is until the end. He, I guess he he beats up Nigel. He doesn't kill him because uh, I mean, I well, guess they can't drown. About it. No, they can't if drown. He, oh, that's true. That's uh, I don't know. Well, he beats up Nigel and knocks him out, and yeah, and he puts his hat down. on. He, put, he puts a cowboy hat on, and they play the bonanza <laughs> theme. And that yep. was like, okay, I got it that it's supposed to be a Western. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, um, Hillary comes back on the motorcycle, which leads me to a question. How far back was the motorcycle when he fell off of it? Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so she finds Nick as he's coming out of the water. Mm-hmm. And you, you go to uh, the plane, which is taking Dr. Flamand and them out of the country back to America. The plane's about to leave. And this is all very, very Casablanca felt feeling to me. Yep. And Nick and Hillary make it just on time on the motorcycle. Hillary doesn't want to leave, but you know they convince her to go to America. It'll be too dangerous for her there. 
And so mm -hmm. she gets on the plane with Nick, and they fly away off into the sunset. Or yeah. sunrise. Sure. But, it, I mean, it's an extremely sudden ending. Yeah. But, yeah, that was the, that was the movie. Yes. Yes, it was. And, I mean, I guess if you take out all the, like, a lot, because a lot of the movie is sight gags. If you take a lot, away a lot of the sight gags, it's pretty, you know, pretty quick to wrap up. Sure. But, not to give away the rating, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Good. Um, so, should we go into... What do, do we, we have any first? spy fact versus fiction? I don't have anything other than the fact that, um, yeah, we're pretty sure that, well, not pretty sure, yeah, that East German you know, army did not wear Nazi uniforms. Yeah. I, I mean, I, when it comes to these fictional movies, I don't really ever expect there to be spy fact versus fiction. Or at least the uh, more over-the-top ones. Totally. Yeah. So with that in mind, shall we transition into favorite quotes? Sure. Um, let, me get, let me get mine. All right. You want to go first? Sure. So the one that I was going to say was, well, let me know if there's any change in his condition. Click. He's dead. But since we already <laughs> talked about that, All right. I think I will instead switch to... It's hard to pick one. <laughs> it is, because there's... A, there's a, I, like Before we were recording, I was going through the quotes on IMDb, I'm like, and I just started laughing as I read each and every one of them. <laughs> Dr. Fulmond, well, young one, I had the secret police break into my house. They tore me from my family, ransacked my laboratory, and brought me to this dungeon. Nick, that sucks! Uh, well, my favorite quote is, For as long as a single man is forced to cower under the iron fist of oppression, as long as a child cries out in the night, or an actor can be elected president, we must continue the struggle. Yeah, that whole speech was good. I also, none of these were good enough to be on their own, but I liked hearts of the, we'll hear your music, the hearts of the people on elevators everywhere. <laughs> She's like, people change, hairstyles change, change. Interest, interest rates, rates change. fluctuate, yes. <laughs> I mean, she's like, and Scarecrow, I'll miss you most of all. I, I, I missed, I, I forgot to write that down. I liked, I liked that gag. And I was waiting for it too. Also, at the very end, we see um, what's his face. Latrine is like uh, in uh, what do you in like a those box things? or something? No, no. It's so it's not supposed to be standing upright. It's one of those um, with you have two men carrying a person. What are those called? A stretcher. A stretch. He's in a stretcher basically, but it's stood oh. up. It didn't look like a stretcher to me. It That's was. Weird. It was. It's like an old style stretcher where it's literally just cloth between two sticks. Oh, okay. All right, well, that is it for our, our quotes. So it is time for our ratings on a scale of one to 10 martinis, one being an absolutely terrible spy movie and 10 being a really, really good best spy movie ever. How would you rate Top Secret? As I said, I had very high expectations because I had seen the other things these guys had did. Most of the jokes didn't actually land, I didn't okay. think. I, sens I had a lot of sensible chuckles more okay. than actual laughing. Mm-hmm. But I think the movie holds up pretty well, and I would consider it to be a good movie, so I will give it 7 out of 10 martinis. Alright, and I would say I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm on the same wavelength as you, except I laughed a lot more. If you couldn't tell from this podcast, I thought it was pretty hilarious. Good. Uh, so I'm going to give it a 7.5. Oh, I thought you'd go higher, given that. No, I mean, because, I mean, this, well, I also had to think about it's as a spy movie. It's not a lot of spying. It's just a really fun, entertaining movie. And I suppose that's a good point. Other, you know, while you know there are other things that I've rated lower because, but which also didn't have much spying. But I also just didn't enjoy those as much. So this one, you know, maybe the spying wasn't necessarily there, but it was entertaining. I suppose we've established that we rate these movies based on them as spy movies rather than just them as movies yeah. mm -hmm. for what they're trying to do. So there you go. But I mean, I like that it played with you know spy tropes yes absolutely and compared to the other comedies that we've done such as the spy who dumped me and night and day i felt like it was better than those all right all right thank you for joining us you can find us on social media at the spy fi guys under facebook twitter and instagram until next time i'm zach i'm christian and we are the spy fi guys signing off thank you for listening to the spy fi guys if you enjoyed our podcast Please be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. The theme song from this podcast is Mistake the Getaway by Kevin McLeo from Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. 
films, books, and television shows reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. Find our podcast on social media at The Spotify Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.